This is the Fitness Tech Podcast, show number 26 for March 13th, 2011. It is a Sunday evening. I'm uh, once again back with Carrie and Jason. And Carrie, I haven't seen you all week. How are you doing? I'm, I'm hanging in there. I uh, had a few little issues this week with some infections, but... Um, I'm on the mend. Yeah, so. well, good to, good to have you back. Good to see you. I, I get to see you via Skype, so it's good to see you. Jason, uh, welcome back to the show. I know you've had a busy week. Well, maybe this week wasn't busy, but certainly last weekend was very busy for you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Jim. Just chilling out and uh, just uh, doing good. Good. Well, hey, I'll let folks know we're going to talk about, we're dedicating most of this show to talking about, uh, you know, the finish of your 100-mile snowshoe challenge. But want to let folks know if they want to reach the show, they can send us an email, podcast at theaverageguy.tv. We've, I've also created a Facebook page, and if you want to get notified via Facebook when the podcasts come out, um, just type in Average Guy into the search, and uh, that'll bring you right to the site. You can sign up for it, and you'll get uh, notifications. You can also come to iTunes and put in Fitness Tech, and uh, that'll allow you to subscribe to the podcast, uh, and the, um, they'll automatically download each time a new podcast comes out. All right, Jason, the last time we talked to you, it's, God, for me, it seems like that was three weeks ago, and uh, it just seems like it's been a long time, but it was just last weekend. Uh, we chatted with you briefly on Saturday. Uh, you had just completed 60 miles of a 100-mile uh, sh- snowshoe challenge. You, on the podcast, you sounded great. You were high spirits. Um, you, did, it, you did admit to me at some point you were having trouble walking um, <laughs> at that point, which I was kind of thinking, how are you going to finish 40 more miles when you're having trouble walking? But um, tell us a little bit about what happened. So you, you, you know, we, we finished the podcast about noon on Saturday. Kind of walk us through what happened right after we finished the podcast. And, and I know folks that follow you on Facebook kind of yeah. kept up to date on that. But what, what, what happened for you right after we got done with the podcast? Uh, you know, um, foremost, I'm going to have to... Uh, Carrie was there, and I might need to pick her brain to actually remember moments of my own life yeah. because things got things got really hazy there. Uh, Carrie, was I about to head right back out, or did I take a snooze after that? No, after that you slept. Um, okay, you were pretty much done. Um, there was no. I mean, I, I don't think you could have gone out if you if you wanted to. There was no leg. Um, leg movements that were happening so yeah you at that point you slept no it's it there there, you know there was these there is that moment at 60 where when i was talking to you and i'm I'm trying to keep my spirits up but i i I really can't stand up on my own at that point you know you managed to to somehow get yourself back to the aid station and in this case very thankfully it was the barn i live in and you you put all your effort to get there and you know you're like wow 40 more miles and i can't stand up straight it's it's a quite a a moment of not necessarily crisis but um it's deflating yeah yeah now you had you were in great spirits i mean when we talked to you i don't know if you're even you know i don't know if the podcast is a little hazy uh, for you at that point, you know, we, we talked to you for, for quite a while. In fact, I kind of felt bad in some ways because I thought, you know, I hope I didn't cause this guy to lock up. Sometimes if you come in and you sit down and you sit for too long, right, the body kind of starts locking, at least for me, it kind of starts locking up on me. Did, did we, did we hold you too long there? Would you have, if we hadn't stopped you at that point, would you've kind of turned around and got back out on, on mile 61? No, no, no. There was there was some moments of hard consideration at that point where my bib number I took my bib number off. Yeah, I thought I, I had pretty much resigned myself to. Uh, I actually made a Facebook post about the difference between uh, acute muscle injury versus fatigue. Yeah, and at that at that point I had so many various knives uh, sticking into different muscle tendons and joints that I was I was pretty sure with the lack of preparation and having only uh, if I just take a step back you know I have years and years of running experience and I've built those muscles and tendons pretty strong but 
snowshoeing utilizes some different stabilizing muscles and those had 35 days of strengthening before I threw 100 miles at it. And so a couple of those points, like my ankles and uh, certain points in my knees that were utilized when descending, took a severe, severe beating and um, a very acute pain had started then. And I thought it was one of those moments where I had to look at the rest of my season versus yeah. the next 40, the next 40 miles. So. I'm recalling it now. I believe I pretty much turned in. Uh, I laid down, not planning on getting up again. So how long were you? So you, you, you took a nap. How long were you down for? Oh, I don't know. Do you remember? I I, I, I didn't sleep more than two or three hours. Okay. Uh, I ate. I, I ate. I, I probably ate. At this point, we were done with Carrie's clean food. I had half a pizza two Rubens and a breakfast burrito. Oh, good um, heavens. How'd that go for so, you? Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> and so I was out for a couple hours, and what happened was I, I woke up, and I didn't particularly feel any better, but there was this empty. I was, I was looking at the, at the ceiling as I was laying there, and I knew I was in the wrong place. I knew I needed to be back out on the mountain. So I I took it a I just I kind of just all at once made the decision and got up and walked and just had to had to march right out of the barn and onto the trail. There was I couldn't second guess it at all. Yeah. So so pretty much you got up, you ate, you rested, you said I'm going to get back after this. I mean, so what was the change between you know, kind of when you went to bed and thinking, this is it, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore, and and getting up after resting and thinking, I, I think I need to get this done. What what changed in there? Probably a lack of reason. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was, there was, there was just a commitment, and the, the body, the body is an amazing, amazing entity in, in, in regenerating itself and healing itself. I couldn't believe what two hours uh, sleep had done. The, the pain was still there, the fatigue was still there, but emotionally I could handle it again. So I, I would say I got out of a very deep valley of depression and uh, immediately flipped over to a, to a pseudo runner's high. Okay. And and just just marched on out. I I, I had uh, I had rediscovered my conviction, mm. and that's something that's something that I dealt with the whole race is, is is that question of why why on earth are you doing this, and you lose it, and all the all the great memorable quotes you had written on your wall and all the little things you wrote in your training diary and all for this and for the passion and I have. You know, Prefontaine's quotes, every, they just dissolve into, a, into a, a cloud. And sometimes they come back. And I had one of those moments where they came back and I got out on the course. And, and so the first mile, uh, talk us through kind of that first mile after you went back out. And maybe it's not the first mile, but maybe it's the first loop. And, and the conditions had, um, and I don't know whether, you said the temperature had gone up. And so I don't know if that means the conditions got better or worse, but it rained and then it froze. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that night, I pounded out two more laps. I did a half marathon. Not the fastest. I did it in about seven hours. The, it was pouring rain. Uh, was it pouring rain that night, Carrie, or was that the next night? Um, I'm, I'm thinking sorry, it was... I'm I'm, I was muted. It was, um, it was raining that night. It rained um, basically from that night on through the entire next day and then by close to nightfall that had turned into just a blinding snowstorm so they were probably the worst possible conditions a person can be expected to, to yeah <laughs> there was the, I do recall a lot of rain that night just pouring down on me I think I had I think I had a Matt take uh, my roommate do a loop with me he did, and two, I'm, did two with you 
Yeah, I was on a mission, and I recall at one point kind of leaving him behind on a couple hills because I was. <laughs> he had to catch you. He was pretty impressed with your your energy. Yeah. I I was I was really fired up. It reminded me of a moment when I did an ultra cycle that I was at mile four hundred and fifty or something, and I I thought I was done, and I, and something just irked me, and I went out full blast for a good hour before permanently. <laughs> hitting the deck. Yeah. Um, there's that kind of you know, adrenaline surge, and I was having that that night. And I put in two, two solid uh, laps. I did a half marathon in the pouring rain, and what was happening was there was just water running down all the trails. You're soaking wet, and that night the conditions weren't terrible. It was the next night that things got really gnarly. So I did two laps, and then I I, I took a couple more hours sleep. Okay, so that was Saturday. That was Saturday evening, late into the night. A couple more hours sleep. Sunday morning, then you put it back together again, and went back out. And by that point, you were about at what mile? Sunday morning. Uh, 70, 72. Okay. I woke up with with a, with about a marathon and a bit to go. Yeah, and and so waking up that morning, as you as you kind of you know rolled out of bed, what were you thinking at that point? I mean, what's what's going through your mind? I was thinking that if I got going and it took me four hours, you know, yeah. like, well, if it takes me three and a half hours a loop, which would be really good pace at this point, I'll be done in under 12 hours. Okay. You know, and I was, meanwhile, I, I had to have two people help me down the stairs. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, that don't make much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, Carrie had kind of, um, Carrie videoed this a, a lot of this experience that you that you kind of went through and um and and put that together in a video that's um and carrie that's out on your blog right that's at keeping it dot org yeah yeah is that jason that i wonder if that's you on the audio i got a big um explosion. i got a, bi- a big explosion there i can oh. e- i can edit that out but but uh, anyways um Careful with the mic, just so that it doesn't. We, we don't get that. But um, so, Jason, you're at the base, or I don't know where you are. You're it's snowing like crazy, and you've you're kneeling down in the snow, and you kind of pull your hands out out of the out of the snow, and just you're covered in snow. So this must be Sunday evening, I guess, when 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 it's really snowing, and I think you're you're maybe on your last lap. Do you, do you have? I mean. Does that? Do you remember those laps? Do you? Do you have? What are your memories of trying to get through a, a, a snowstorm to to get these laps finished? Yeah, the the first two, the first half marathon of that marathon was uh, really just wet. The, the 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 mountain had turned into a glacier that was melting, and the fast the water looks for the fastest route to travel. So yeah. it, it found every it found every trail that I was walking on. And it wasn't going over the snow; it was going under the snow. Mm. And and so what would happen is you would punch through the snow with your snowshoes, making for really slow. And your foot would just get buried into a, a slush of, of of mud and ice. It was like a like a slushy. And so things got really slow at that point. I kept falling, and you know at that point my ankle, my right ankle, had swollen to double its normal size. Mm. Uh, but the the first half marathon, the first from mile seventy two to uh, I guess eighty eighty five ish, I was pretty positive. I was pretty fired up. I, I had really high spirits, and I, I think I did you know just over a three hour lap each time. So you know going into the night, I felt really really positive. And then when you see that video, is when things really started to unravel again, um, where where feelings of self-preservation start to come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you, as you watched, I assume you've seen that video. Yes, I did. Yes, and, I did. and did that, is that a little bit of, was it kind of traumatic for you to go back and see it? Or is it almost like an out of body experience where you, you know, it's happening, you know, you did it, but you're not, you're having trouble connecting to it. I've had a hard time connecting all week. Okay. Uh, you know, I haven't been thinking about it much. I saw some of the footage, and and Carrie used the more flattering of the footage. Mm-hmm. There was there was times where I was just talking nonsense, and 
and um, just devastated. So when I look back at that, it is out of body. It is out of body. I can't. I can't uh, imagine the pain that I was in then. Even though I have felt it, I have a very, you know. At one point in my life, I was feeling that, but I'm not feeling it right now, and so even I can't imagine it. So I don't even—I don't know how to tell somebody else about it. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Um, yeah. So you're still having kind of trouble connecting those pieces together a little bit and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. You know, this was a first for me. I don't have the the experience. I remember when I thought I was done at 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 mile sixty. Uh, Andy, the race director, who is, who's, you know, he's done a lot of, he's done triple Ironman, he's done a lot of crazy ultras, and he, I, I, I said, Andy, I think I'm done, and he goes, he's like, oh, well, are you like shuffling one inch at a time? And I was like, yeah, I could barely stand. He's like, well, that's normal, that's good, that's what you should be doing, you know, it, it, it's expected. And he's like, did you, did, did, you know, <laughs> did you lose all bowel control yet? And I was like, no, I've managed. She's like, well, that's coming too. And, you know, that's the kind of support you get from the other ultra athletes who've been through this. It was nothing unusual, but it was all brand new to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did you at some point? <laughs> did I lose all uh, control uh, all, of my house? Yes. No. <laughs> no I, 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 kept, I kept sphincter control under locks, <laughs> though, though, though I nearly did at times. Sometimes yeah. the pain got so bad I couldn't you would just kind of yelp and uh yeah I, I was fortunate in that regard there was at points where i wouldn't care you know with a mile right. to go if that were to have stricken i wouldn't care right right so so coming up on the last mile and uh you know you I, i'm sure there's i'm sure there was some uh, you were pretty aware at that point you're coming down to the last you know the last little bit at that point how's how is that coming in? Carrie kind of showed us in the video the path you kind of had to take. I think it's an uphill, right, path up to the barn. Um, yes. If I remember correctly. So, how does that? How did that feel coming up and kind of being done? I mean, did that when you were done? Did it feel done at that point? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the last lap, I had, I was thankful enough to have. I was grateful to have Joe DeSena, my boss and the owner of Spartan Race, to do the last lap with me. Uh, if you see in the video, there's there's me uh, lying on the the floor as I came back at mile 93, and I was 100% convinced I couldn't I couldn't go back and do another loop. The snow was so bad. I had gotten lost three times on the trail. I was crawling half of it. The snow was the snow was falling so much that my footprints from the previous lap, which were a good five to six inches deep, were erased. And I was dragging my right foot behind me because I couldn't put any weight on it. I would just, I, would, I had a really bad limp and dragging a snowshoe is uh, not the most economical way to get about uh, snow. Uh, so I came in and I, I collapsed on the, I actually carried, did I even make it into the door? Didn't, I think you had to pull me inside the, inside the barn. And I thought it was all over and I look up and there's, not only my boss, but one of the greatest ultra-endurance athletes uh, that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And, you know, he's like, you ready? <laughs> and so that there would have been no way for me to pull it together without someone who... It sounds cruel, but I needed someone to just expect me to do it. I needed someone to have absolutely zero sympathy for the fact that I wanted to die. And to to cruelly just say get on out there, yeah. And uh, I I got to be very appreciative for that. No one else in their right mind would have told me to do it. Um, even some seasoned veterans around would have probably said, "Don't get back out there." Especially considering that the snow was so heavy, we had about a three foot visibility. Yeah. How, what did Joe say to you on the last lap as you were as you were going around? Do you, do you remember kind of how, how did he encourage you? Did he just kind of say, "Dude, you got to finish this. You know, get your." you know, get your butt up and get it done. What, what was the conversation like? First off, he, he set a pace that was strong enough to keep me from saying anything. Hmm. Um, I just was, he set a good clip and I just, I just was battling to keep him in sight. And I was really grateful for that because it kept me from thinking. Um, once you read a, reach a certain level of, um, 
you've lost all motor control and are in a lot of pain, it doesn't matter what speed you're going. It just hurts all the same and yeah. you just kind of embrace it. And so I, I stayed on his heels and, and he was, he was living it. He was loving it. And he was like, he was like exultant because you know, it was very primitive. I mean, walking up the side of a mountain in a, in a severe snowstorm, uh, I'm hallucinating. You know, I had lost my stuff a long time ago. I was, I was out of it. And it's funny. We were like at mile 98 and he starts talking to me about marketing strategies. And I look over at him and I'm like, Joe, do, do you realize that I'm about to finish my first 100 miler and you're talking to me about corporate emails? <laughs> <laughs> he, he just laughed. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of what you needed that, that sure. moment. It's kind of, kind of taking your mind off the, the matter at hand and, and placing it maybe outside of something that isn't the pain or isn't the effort or isn't what you're in in the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, like like having me clean up the aid station on the top of the mountain uh, when we got there uh, with three miles left to go. The uh, the volunteers had left the tape. There's a little cabin, and the volunteers had left out all the Gatorade and the tables and cookies and uh, benches. And so Joe's like, oh, can you help me out for a second? And we loaded the whole aid station into the into the cabin. Wow. At mile at mile ninety seven. <laughs> wow. Three miles to go. Clean it up, Jason. Just help me for a few minutes, get this cleaned up, and then we'll do the last three. Yep, that was pretty much it. You yeah. know, and just and just deadpan. I knew he was kinda it was you know, this was death race training. This was training for my next one hundred miler. this was uh this was a crash course and in, into into the stories I've heard about ultra runners, this was my initiation. Yeah, yeah. So you had said to me at one point you felt like this was equivalent to a a run that was maybe twice as long. So does that change your perspective? So the next hundred mile run that you do, does that does this change your perspective on that run? Yeah, I'm all about a hundred mile run. I feel like I want to do it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> So I, you feel a little different today than you would have two weeks ago about a 100-mile run, maybe because of the perspective? Yeah, because the course was just as challenging as any 100-mile trail run, except I had, you know, big pads slapped, you know, strapped to my feet and, and a very non, forget, you know, non, uh, a very friction, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, yeah. but a very slowing substance, right. syrup. I was like in syrup the whole time. So when I looked at what heart rate and hours out there and, you know, energy expenditure, I, I definitely calorically could have run probably 150 to 200 miles, no problem. Whether my legs would have survived is a different story, but right. in terms of energy expenditure, that's yeah. where about I was at. Yeah. So that does, as you, as you say, that does broaden your perspective a little bit when it, when it comes to these these races coming up because it and you can correct me if I'm wrong here but I mean it's you pushed your body I imagine you pushed your body a lot farther than you thought you could have during that moment when you thought you needed to stop it, it, there there is a re recalibration yeah. of what you of what you can take and there was that and there was a point where I knew I had you know, uh, I had hit my my ankle was really bad, and I'm finally okay today. But it was sprained really bad, and so you know, doing a marathon on a sprained ankle in the you know, it's just not a smart idea. Yeah, did you sprain um, that? Did you sprain that by slipping on something? Do you do you know? Do you remember? Was it just activity? How did how that <laughs> injury happen? It started when I I put my boots on at mile sixty. Uh, I remember really you know stretching my toe out and pulling the boot on it was like oh that was bad that was mm. that was bad and snowshoeing it's just it has a lot of what happens is when you when you punch through the snow 90% of the time it's it's either the left or the right side of the snowshoe so half of the snowshoe sinks down very rapidly but you're still vertical so your ankle just gets wrenched uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and in this case thousands and thousands and thousands of times so uh, it, it had gotten gotten enough of me. Yeah. And so, and and then there's points where the pain. I mean, you know, you're just, you know, I'm not I'm not too 
this was new to me. I wasn't used to managing that. I'm just like weeping as I'm walking and, and uh, you know, it's so much for tough guy in moments like that. You just, you just <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so a real romantic I, moment, right? I mean, it, it was the love of the sport and, and there was, you know, people cheering for you. And this, there was a love affair with the sport at that point, right? There was a lot of people on Facebook root me on. It kind of went on the Spartan page and 180,000 people chiming in. And let's be honest with you, I was really grateful and completely not grateful at the same time because I didn't want to let anybody down. I also didn't want to die. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, Joe, one of the things Joe talked about on that last lap with me was there, there's a saying in, in some South American country, um, one of those um, idiosyncratic things. It's in Spanish, and they talk about the crickets. And these crickets get inside your head, and they give you every reason to stop, and they're good reasons. They're reasons that make sense to you at that moment. They, these are hyper-rational, very serious crickets in your head, chirping, chirping away, telling you to just go home and be safe. And you can't turn them off. I had every, every reason to stop, and I couldn't think of one reason to go on, is, is, is the hardest dilemma as opposed to managing, oh, my ankle hurts. Yeah, and, you know, being a little facetious there, you know, as we talk about this, I, I was being facetious there with the, with the crowds cheering. You know, um, sometimes we have as non-ultra or non-distance athletes, um, so, some these, you know, the weekend warriors, have these uh, these fantasy dreams of of doing these kinds of things and how great it's going to be when they do it, you know. As I hear you talk about it, it, it I mean, it, it's I'm sure you're happy to be done with it now, but there are moments in there, right, that it just blows. I mean, right, yeah. right. I mean, pain, and 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 certainly. So so now, as you look back at that, worth it, in your in your opinion? I mean, is this uh is that is it worth the experience of going through this? Yeah, absolutely. I'm already signed up for my next ultra. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. there's no because because let, let me let me let me get done. You know, maybe I'm still a little bit of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wounded or bitter or just just feeling too much of the pain. But no, the the exaltation of of finishing it and knowing I did something that. At very mo at many points along the way, I had considered completely impossible. It redefines uh, a certain sense of self and what's possible. So a whole amount of fear of the unknown just evaporates, and and, and to me that's a liberating feeling. That's a that's a feeling you cannot replace. You can't buy that. You can go out and buy. $10,000 road bike and go do a triathlon and put on your $800 wetsuit and, 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 you know, run and just good for you. That's great. But, um, this was a, this was a primitive experience that, that goes back to, um, I don't know where, you know, it's, it's some kind of atavistic moment or something inside you comes out and, and you, you kind of realign where you are in where you are in your own mind and yeah. where you know the possibilities of what you can do and and I'm pumped because you know I was the last man standing I, I was the I was the 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 caboose you know <laughs> I've got a lot to learn there the, you know guy who won it did it in 35 hours and he was you know he was hurting but he was smiling and and that's that's where the experience comes into play uh and i want to have that i want to have that stoicism that comes with i've been there and done that now now i have been there and i have done that and so maybe the next race i'll have a little bit more style <laughs> This yeah. one was about surviving oh, and learning, right? I mean, it was you, you'd mentioned earlier. It's a learning experience for you, kind of cutting your teeth on on these uh, super long endurance uh, events and figuring out what it's going to take. Maybe the next time. L let me ask you that question. So, who was the winner in this? Who who kind of did? Winner the was a guy named uh, 
Yeah, there was four of us that started. Right. Uh, two guys dropped out, and Courtney went out, and uh, his name is uh, his name is Courtney N A Y, and he he not only did he set a course record, but because races like this don't exist, uh, our race director was looking through <laughs> expeditions of of the Arctic, and he thinks this was the fastest anyone has ever gone that far on snowshoes in wow. that short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, um, in terms of you know expeditions and all that, um, he 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 killed the course. He was he was he was quite an athlete, and he was he was just a, he was the quintessence of of a good spirit, athletically superior, humble, uh, smiling, great to talk to when I passed him. Yeah. Now, what do you take away from him? I and mean, what did you learn from him in that? in that weekend uh, of snowshoeing if you're learning and he's the professor right if you're the student he's the professor what did you learn from the professor the race doesn't start to mile 60 mm. you there's there's absolutely there should be there's absolutely no race going on until mile 50 or 60 and i was the young hot shot i got out in lap number one and got after it of course mm. you know I, I was leading after the first lap probably a bad idea in retrospect um, and and to keep calm. And when I was coming through an aid station, I was kind of frazzled. And where's this? Or well, what am I going to do? Oh my God! And he would just kind of come on in and be like, "All right, what's up, everybody? You know, like let me get some granola. Make sure I got a warm jacket. You know." And he had a com composure. He did. I, he would come up over the. He'd come up over the hill, and I, I saw these guys come in just about every lap, and he. I, I heard probably a dozen times, hey, Carrie, how's, how's it going? <laughs> Just very, you know, very calm and smiling. And, um, you know, we'd sit and talk for a few minutes and he'd get his gear back together and and head back out. And, uh, you know, just just kind of another day for him. But well, he had so well, much experience. Well, Jim, you've been, you know, you go to a marathon now and you and you watch all the rookies freaking out and like running around with their race bags and trying right. to figure out how to pin their number on their race belt and they're right. chatting a thousand miles an hour. Do I wear a race belt? Well, how many goo packets should I, should I tape the goo packets to my arm or, or can I wear an iPod or what should I do? You know, and, and mm -hmm. you just, you kind of sit there and you're like, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've been there, you've done that. Um, I got that way with Iron Man. I would sit there. I couldn't stand going to to all the meetings and stuff because just all the all the first you know I love first timers and I, I'm there to help them out. But you know you just see so many people putting stress on themselves that they don't need to put the stress on themselves. But they yeah. should just be relaxed. Well, next time I do an ultra, I I can maybe have a piece of that, and I'm hoping there'll be some other rookie that I can kind of watch. Uh, do what I did, do all the wrong things that I did wrong. Yeah, and, and maybe I, I like what you said. You know, focus, put the focus on getting halfway, and and surviving halfway, and not you know not worrying about where everything's at or what I'm wearing or how it fits. You know, you and I talked a little bit about your tech gear. What would you use? You know, for tech gear. And as you were mentioning, iPods and GPS devices. You see, folks, you know, starting those races and they're fiddling with their stuff. And that, you know, in, in what you did at the very end of the race, when we, when we get in the last 40 or the last 30 miles, I mean, it really comes down to just grunt determination. There's no amount of tech that we could add to your race that would change anything for you at that point. It's just all about sheer human determination and putting one foot in front of the other and working through the pain and getting to the very end and getting it done. I mean, is that, is that, a, is that a safe thing for me to say? Yeah, yeah, because because morphine isn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and could you have taken? Would they have allowed um, you know over the counter pain medication? And would you have taken that, or did you take ibuprofen or aspirin or any of that any of that kind of stuff to help with the pain management? No, no, because I from from my little bit of experience of taking those uh, and all I've read, they they do more harm than good. Okay, uh, the the pains. You don't need to dull the pain. The pain's there. It's it's part of the experience, and it's just gonna upset your stomach. And it, it has it also has to do with absorption issues, from what I'm told. So I uh, no, nothing to dull the pain. 
So so straight. I mean, just you're you're gonna deal with it, and it's just gonna be there till you get done. Yeah, well, it, you know, and it makes you it makes you you start to think about people who deal with chronic pain, um, yeah. people who are ill. That doesn't go away, and it's a, it's a condition. And you re you have to you have to realign your value system because you know is it is pain inherently bad? Is it is it inherently we go ouch and we we have a automatic survival instinct to recoil from fire because because we'll die if we don't have that and people that don't feel pain don't live very long the people that have that rare genetic disease but but when you start to have a a mindful relationship of pain and you take a step outside of the egoic self that is so like pain is bad it's axiomatic. Well, you start to examine that axiom, and you're like, "Hey, I'm I'm walking still. I I I I hurt really bad. But w- what does that mean? What what is this experience of pain? And and pain is a very fundamental aspect of being human. So it's an opportunity to investigate that. And I learned a lot about it. And I I know for certain that when when I'm confronted with certain pain from this day forward or from that race forward. I, I, I can contextualize it a bit more. It's not this immediate uh, recoil. It's, it's a more of a curious, um, playful relationship with pain. Carrie, you're in, you're in a little bit of pain at this point. <laughs> oh, God, don't even compare. <laughs> no, that's why I said a little bit, right? Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know, is that, uh, as, you, as you look at the pain you're in at this point, is that... What does that say to you? What do you, what do you, how do you feel when Jason says that? Um, yeah, you know, I, pain is, is, is meant to, to alert you that something's, something's happening, something's going on. And, you know, when I, um, had some issues this week with, with my health and with some infections, um, it, it was pretty clear that I needed to take care of it. Um, I, you know, it's ironic, I think, um, being able to witness what what I what I saw, um, seeing seeing Jason bonk over and over and over again, um, even in his sleep, um, things like that. Um, now, Carrie, for folks who don't know what bonking is, can you explain that? Sure. So um, you hear a lot of marathoners talk about hitting a wall, and I think yours hits you about twenty-two miles, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pretty consistent. Uh, that's when your you know your muscles are having a tough time. So the glycogen that your body is using just to, to get your muscles going is, is failing you. Um, bonking is when um, you're having more of a mental breakdown. So the glycogen stores that your brain's trying to utilize are no longer there. Um, so you start to have a breakdown of, of organs and it starts with, you know, seeing things that aren't there and, and um, just really unravels. So um, generally in longer races, that's going to happen and it's going to happen repeatedly. And, um, I'd never seen it like this before. It was very hard to watch as a person that, you know, had to witness. And there was a lot of pain (laughs) that weekend. There was a death race going on. So there was a lot of people that were just having, um, having a tough time and to be submerged in that for an extended period of time. Um, it's hard, hard to do. It's hard to see, um, to see him recover like he did. Um, literally at mile 60, um, he couldn't have gone on. Um, he couldn't have done six miles away. And, and you know, chances are without the sleep and the rest and the food, um, at that point, his organs would have shut down. I mean, I don't. I think there was a severity to what was physically happening um, that should be addressed. You know, there were some really dark moments um, in, in that sense. But um, it, it really was um, this, this experience that, I'm I'm inspired by it, and I'm also kind of horrified by it at the same time. I don't know how to how to deal with all of that, except to say that that it is what it is. And um, he really did show me that there's there's things that that are realistic. There's things that you can reasonably expect, and then there's what's possible. And there's a huge chasm that exists between those two things. And I think it's different for everyone. Um, and you have to figure out what that is and define it and live it. Um, what he accomplished is is remarkable. Um, it's thing that I will carry with me forever. To to have been a part of it um, is really humbling and and 
that it turned out like it did and that he's okay and that he's he's um going to be continuing to do these kinds of events um and and so with the things that you know I'm dealing with it's it's really just you know <laughs> puts that in perspective and you start to think you know there's there's a lot my body can handle I, I need to pay attention I need to listen and I need to know when I need to back off I think it was wise the times that he did sleep, the times that he did take a few extra minutes at the aid station, um, all of those things, I think, added up and, and helped him to to get through it. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that he did. I'm glad yeah. that you're now talking about it. And nobody can take 100 miles from you. I mean, that's he earned every step of that. And that's a beautiful thing. So, Jason, how far is too far? I mean, is it, is it 101 miles? For me, yeah, or for, yeah. For, I mean, no. Well, for you, I mean, uh, how do you? You know, we talk about, you know, at sixty, right? I mean, you're in, you're in a lot of pain. And if it had been a sixty-mile race, that would have been enough, maybe. It, and yet, it was a hundred-mile race. And so, at, at what point, you know, I struggle with this, with this idea, a lot in my head as an athlete uh, myself when I run. How, you know, how far do you push it before you stop? And when is, when is far too far? You know, when it, when, at what point would you have pushed it too far, do you think? Or can you even define that? I, it's, I'm intrigued by the human dimension in this. Because if that had been a 150-mile race, would you have gone to bed for three hours, woke up the next morning, and done another two marathons? I would have tried. I would have tried. Um... There was a moment, you know, too much is when, when you're, you're, you're about to do some, you know, DNF turns into did nothing fatal. Racers in ultras get pulled from the race, not because they want to stop or they give up, but because they're urinating straight blood. Mm. Just, you know, um, they've dropped 25 pounds in the last, in the last 14 hours and they're willing to go on, but they get pulled. This event was a very small event. There wasn't a lot of staff. There was just really a race director. And because I was well over, you know, the time of where everyone else was, I was kind of, it, it was billed as a self-supported race. So I had no one out there. And so there was the moments where I kind of laid down on a snowbank and I was watching the snow pile up on me. And I was like, Somebody will come looking for me, but in a night like this, I don't know if they'll find me. And that was a very real moment of, of in my kind of delirium, I was, I was thinking, I really don't want to bother anybody. Mm -hmm. I really, really, really would hate to have them have to come rescue me. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want them to worry. And that kind of kept me going forward. My cell phone died in the cold, of course, and it didn't have reception anyway. So yeah. too, much, too much is when, is when you, you feel really unsafe and too much is you know and i always say too much is when you're not having fun and and deep inside i must have been having fun i must you know I, it was exhilarating there was there was triumph in getting up that hill the last time and coming down and and you know you know how good it's going to feel to finish versus living a lifetime knowing you failed mm. well can um, i see too i did the ninth lap with Jason, which was the lap before he took sort of the extended break at mile 60. And he was having a good time. And, and in the same breath, he was breaking in two. There was these moments of, you know, complete, joyful, you know, this is amazing. And then, then it's like total breakdown a minute later. And uh, I was really glad that I got to go do that loop and, and see the trail. It was beautiful. Um, he'd seen it nine times, so the beauty probably wasn't as uh, as uh, important to him at those moments. But um, I got to see that, and I got to witness that um, as as we moved up and down the mountain, and, and got to see how hard that trail was um, to start with, let alone have to have to do it 15 times. So I, I did see that, um, and that was only at lap nine. So I can only imagine what what that looked like in whiteout blizzard conditions in the freezing cold at, at lap 14, lap 15. So. Yeah, Jason. It, it, oh, go ahead, Jason. 
No, I just, you know, the, the, the drama that we're talking about that unfolded with me, you know, is it, 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 it's, it's definitely personal in the fact that it's the same drama that some people have trying to just get under the six hour time limit in a marathon or the 17 hour time limit in an Ironman. Uh, you know, I will, I will be bold and just say it. It, it, it comes from being unprepared. This was this was an experiment. Uh, I, you know, a seasoned veteran of this, only can shake their head at like I brought it upon myself. I should have been doing this for six months, uh, snowshoeing, getting ready for this. Um, definitely not for my first hundred miler, and that's what attracted me to it. So, so the kind of the kind of survival to the edge. To answer your question about what is too much, y- yes, I was flirting with that because I was completely over my head and drowning whereas you know when you when you have some when when I was an iron man you know too much was a matter of pace was i pacing too hard you know trying trying to get under 10 hours like too much you blow up there that's a very different kind of too much um this is an individualized i took my limited abilities and took them past farther than i ever could uh, dream, and and there's part of me that knows it's going to get me into trouble one day. It it has gotten me in trouble in the past. I could tell you stories of my first being 18 and and running 13 miles into the woods with a Snickers bar, spending the night, and then realizing I had no water to get home. Um, you know, and I came crawling out of the woods 13 miles later. You know, that I was 22. I wasn't 18. I was still I was old enough to know better. It was uh, it was after the marathon. I told you about a couple podcasts mm-hmm. ago. Sure. And I, I you know, you, you, those are moments when you're you're in over your head. And and part of my thing is I encourage everyone to do that. We play it safe too much. Now I don't want to advocate anyone doing anything to go get themselves killed. But right. you know, I I do want to advocate getting uncomfortable, getting in a bit of pain testing testing what your comfort zone is and then finding it and then shooting for something about 10 steps higher than your comfort zone uh, and i guarantee you know 90 percent of the time you'll get there now i have failed at things i have not i have tried things that i failed at uh but i'll take that those couple of times of failures in light of the times i broke through and uh, learned a whole lot more. And you yeah. learn, you learn, you learn from a failure. You learn more from that than you do a success. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you know, a risk, high risk, uh, creates a really, a very good story. And I, I think we're as you know, another part of humanity is we're always attracted to a great story. And great stories don't happen when people, when people are safe. What's that again, Carrie? He earned a, a pretty significant nickname throughout all this. Yeah. What was that name that they gave you there? Go ahead, Jay. Oh, I guess someone coined the barn beast. The barn beast. Um, the barn beast. So that's been. I'll be. I'll be posting on on Facebook for Spartan Race, and somebody be like, "Dude, you're the barn beast." Nice. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so well, you I've, earned it. I've, that's for sure. I've in, I've included that in my signature for emails now. Nice. You know. Um, it it is a story, and it and it's a piece of my life, and I was happy to share it with people. Yeah. Uh, um, because it was it was a, it was an extroverted experiment, you know. One day I'll go out and try something equally stupid and not tell anyone. And that'll be a lot more fun, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've appreciated you uh, being very open with me. Uh, you know, before this event, we didn't really even know each other, and and Carrie had this wild idea to say, "Hey, you should go." You know, we should get this guy on the podcast. And at the same time, she was saying to you, "You should go on this podcast." <laughs> and and uh, it it's it's you know, it's been a, a little journey for me to watch you go through this. I, I've been struggling. You know, you mentioned earlier, I've been struggling at the 26 mile distance and and feel like I'm kind of stuck there and even even as late as last week I was kind of thinking maybe I should just kind of quit marathons altogether and focus on the half marathon right oh. well it, it, that's the thought that's crossed my mind and and I'm I'm reconsidering that I mean I'm like it's like okay so 
So why are you thinking that? Because well, I'm thinking that because it's easy, right? It's easy to I can run a 13. Well, three years ago, if you would have said I was going to run a, a half marathon, I would have said you're freaking crazy, right? I mean, and so we talk about this perspective, and it is one of those things. You do it because it's hard, and you do it because it does push you to the brink, and you do it because it does. It, it is seemingly impossible, and I like the way you said it. You know, you kind of shoot for something, and then you go 10 steps higher. You know, and you, you say, well, if a marathon's not it, I mean, if I can't do a marathon, this is this is the way I'm going to interpret it. If I can't do a marathon, well, then I should shoot for a four, for a 50 miler, because once I do that, the marathon seems like, and this is quoting you, it's just another number, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> so, um, anyways, I've appreciated uh, Jason your openness in this, and and you just being willing to share your life. I, I do want to ask you this though: What else did you learn from from uh, from Courtney? In, in him winning, uh, you know, you said you'd mentioned maybe not going out so fast or, or, or so cocky, uh, or you know, but what else did you learn uh, from him in this race or, or just maybe in doing the race about yourself or about it? next time you're going into a race, how would you go about it? I never want to lose the, the, the and it, I think Carrie can attest to this, the positive nature of, of, of Courtney. Uh, that's something everyone should emulate at every race to every other person <laughs> that they come across is that unfettered positivity that, that we're all here for our own reasons, but they all overlap in a way. And I know I get a little bit too into my own head and a little competitive and a little bit jerkish you know, maybe as I approach a race and <laughs> I know Carrie, is that true? <laughs> okay, here here's what I here's how I explained it to some of my my girlfriends today. Um, imagine like you've been in labor for three days and and someone's just trying to help you. How how do you take that? Um, he wasn't, you know, he he wasn't always the the most gracious, but I didn't expect <laughs> him to be. I mean, honestly, there was never I. I, I was very especially like that that last day you know there were so many times where i was just like wow you're you're really being quite nice and you're being quite um considerate of of all of us right now and and for goodness sakes like you don't need to be but it, it's, it's a lot to put on yourself um from a stress standpoint not just physically but emotionally and mentally and there was a lot going on there so um yeah, he had moments where he wasn't the most pleasant person, but they were—they weren't—they uh, were few and far between, and they were certainly justified. And there, there was never a time when it was, you know, it was too much. It was all just sort of par for the course. And I learned that too. I learned a lot, a lot. So. So, Jason, what's uh, what's next? Now, before I ask you that question, have you run since? Uh, have you gone out and done anything uh, significant since last weekend? Yeah, I moved a couple piles of wood yesterday and today. Um, I, some wood needed to be brought to the boiler room, and so I took a couple wheelbarrow falls uh, Saturday and today, and it felt pretty good. So I'm going running tomorrow. Oh, good! And you're gonna? Uh, you got a marathon scheduled, or? I'm just I have. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I'm. I'm excited. I'm going to go run on the street where there's no snow. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and, and about how far will you go? You think in that in that first kind of recovery run? Uh, I'm o I'm only gonna run. I'm gonna run for an hour, and I'm not gonna bring any kind of uh, distance. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to push myself. When I, I I'd be I'd like you know if I did eight miles, that'd be great. Seven or eight miles would be a good good first day out. How do your legs feel right now? I mean, has has the pain subsided mostly, or is it you still have a, a few pain points left over from from the race? No, the pain is pretty good. I've been battling with narcolepsy. Um, <laughs> that's really my biggest thing. Is I'll just fall asleep in the most random of places. You know, my, my poor roommate had to sleep on the couch last night because I I fell asleep with my light on, like. And I was I was strewn in like every impossible way to make him not be able to get to it. Uh, I had my computer open and books open. Um, I'm exhausted and I'm hungry still, but there's no there's no real sharp pain except my ankle, 
which is getting better. So the ankle you sprained? I I don't know. I didn't go get a diagnosis. Okay. Maybe Car- Carrie Carrie might be able to speak. She knows about these things. I I you know whatever it was, it was I wasn't going to worry about it. Definitely sprained. Um, I'm guessing that he rolled it. it I mean, it was pretty yeah. pretty obvious, and the swelling was was significant significant. So hopefully that's gone down some. But um, yeah, there's definitely trauma there. Now, Jason, the old adage is uh, for marathon runners, right? It's a day of recovery for every mile that you run. So if you run 200 miles, you're going to take 200 days to recover from this? Yeah, that's, 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 just a bunch of, <laughs> that's, a bunch of, that's a bunch of sissy marathoners. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, let, let, let me put that. Let me actually it's to give you a real actual scientific explanation. Yeah. Um, when you're running a marathon, you're running it fast. It's a speed work. It's a fast race you're pounding your body you're not you're not shuffling along a trail where you're kind of hopping over logs it's a very repetitive straightforward non-lateral movement it's completely straightforward and you're going at you know full lactic threshold and above lactic threshold so you're doing serious ligament and muscle damage at marathon pace now i could go out and jog a marathon every day, I'm sure, for, for a month. But that is jog a marathon. That is not run a marathon. Um, so people need to make the distinction as to did they just run a marathon or did they race a marathon? Um, and you know that based upon your, your, your perceived exertion or your heart rate, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah, and time. And, and I've, yeah, that's, I, I think that's great advice. Uh, for folks doing that and and because you know it 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 does sometimes you can go out and work out and and go do back to back and that's okay uh, because you haven't killed yourself uh, in that in this in this case though I mean really realistically for you what is your realistic recovery plan for this and when do you really kind of get back to uh, your normal training schedule this is my week to play with that by uh, two weeks from now, I, I should be on full full tilt. May May fifth, I have a uh, hundred or a hundred and fifty mile run. I haven't decided which one I want to do. Wow! And so I should be up to about a seventy eighty mile week within a week or two. Okay. Wow. So not not a lot of time. No, and I feel like a hundred times better than I ever did after an Ironman. I can tell you that. You know, just because it's, you know. Like I said, in an Ironman, you're swimming and then you're biking and then you're racing that marathon at, at full tilt, and that, that's that's a pounding that's much different than the 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 longer distances. Yeah. Well, Jason, I it's still a little hard for me to fathom a hundred miles over three days, uh, snowshoes and and all that entailed. But I do appreciate you kind of being open. And, and sharing that experience with us and, and kind of walking us through it. I assume you're going to still continue to blog about it some over the next couple weeks. There's a, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff still kind of locked up in your head that you want to get out on, you know, out to your blog. Um, yeah, I started today. I, I wrote chapter one. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I really couldn't confront it until today, so yeah. I just started. To, so if people want to read about it a little bit, they can go to my blog. So Jason Jacetic at uh, no Jason Jacetic dot com. Um, yep. They can go out there and do that. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. If folks still haven't gone out there and uh, take a peek at it, Carrie, your video is at keepingitclean.org. If folks want to take a go out there and take a peek at that, and and uh, I imagine you, uh, I know your blogging slowed down a little bit this week, but we should probably have some stuff. <laughs> Your, your message to me, where have you been? I Did you lose your Skype access? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, was a, it, it was a crazy week for me. I'll be honest with you. You know, I, um, on, let's see, it was Sunday night. Sunday night I stayed up till like 2 in the morning because we were going to try and do this live podcast with you coming in, uh, Jason. And we never, we were, it was just late. And I, I'll be honest with you, I felt bad because I was like, here this guy is out in the snow killing himself to get up these hills and I'm sniveling because it's two in the morning. <laughs> you know, I'm in a warm house. I've got, you know, I, I haven't just run a hundred miles uh, with snowshoes, you know, and I really, I had a, I had a huge guilt complex and eventually I just, I couldn't even stay awake. I, I laid down on the couch. I put my phone by my ear so I'd hear it go off. And at one point, I think you had Carrie's phone 
and it even called me. And so I woke up and I and I was like, "Hello, hello," and and I don't know if it, it had butt dialed or or you know what what there. I know you had it with you, and I and it was like two a.m. or two thirty, I think here. And I said, "I I'm so sorry, but I'm just going to bed." I remember thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to wake up at six tomorrow morning to get to work and I'm just going to go to sleep. But I caught you the next morning and it was, and congratulations on, on, you know, getting the hundred miles done. That's a huge feat and nobody, you're right. Nobody can ever take that away from you. Um, you know, it's yours, you own it. Two out of four did it. And that's just not something people do all the time. So congratulations on, you know, on a great feat. And, uh, I know you got a lot more ahead, uh, coming up when it, when we talk about ultra distances. Yeah, this guy got a busy year, busy, yeah. uh, busy season, and and um, it's gonna be full of ultras. And I'm gonna just kind of do a, <laughs> do yeah, an Iron Man. Iron Man has a little bit of a break. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, well, I'm hoping we get to follow you through the course of the year because I it, it'd be interesting to hear you and your perspective on this kind of as you work through each of these races and and kind of your thoughts going in, how you felt about it, and lessons learned. Um, as you go, I'm sure each one of them will bring kind of a new set of lessons for you, um, you know, as you go through it. Let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> Carrie, anything else that, uh, that you wanted to add before we wrap this up? No, I just, I'm, I'm very thankful that I got to be a part of the experience and, um, that I got to witness this and that the people of, of Pittsfield are so gracious and so wonderful and, um, there was moments of just, you know, crazy laughter and, and joy and happiness and um, moments of just real, real dark, scary things, too. And, and all in all, it was something that I, I value so much and, and I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else. And um, I want to thank Joe and Andy and, and Matt. Matt was wonderful. Um, Jason's roommate. <laughs> I drug him with me everywhere. <laughs> just really enjoyed getting to know all of the wonderful people in that community. And, um, they really were, were fantastic and gracious to me that, that entire time. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And everyone, please come to Pittsfield, come hang out in the barn. We always got room in the barn. So Jim, I'm going to, we're going to go do a marathon for fun. I know. Yeah. Uh, so you just, you just, just come on up any weekend. We'll I set know. You up. You sent me a note. Uh, I think it was Friday, maybe it was Saturday, and you're like, and I was, you know, I, I'm I'm struggling at the distance. I'm I'm feeling a little, even a sore a sore a little bit today. And you're like, come up here and do thirty with me. <laughs> like, well, Jim, oh my I'll, God. Jim, I'll tell you that the McNaughton has a thirty, and I'm doing that. Oh man, when is it? It's it's the week it's the weekend after the the Lincoln Marathon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jason said it's May fifth, and I'm like. That, that would be that would be perfect. That would be you, you. You do your race, and then you go do a recovery 30, 30 miles with me. Just a recovery thirty. That's yes. it. I, I think that's exactly how I got baited into doing the Mount Evans ascent last summer. Is somebody said it's just fourteen and a half, and it just starts at ten thousand and goes to fourteen thousand. You can do it. It's it. not you a big deal. We'll plan it. We'll do it. We'll make uh, it. All right. Well, I will take a look at it. If you, if it's too bad you can't see the video because uh, I'm cringing. My face is cringing at the moment as I think about, oh my God, that would be two marathons in back-to-back weekends. Yes. And you can do that. Can do yeah, that. I could. No, I could. We'll have to figure out how to, I have a wedding coming up. So I got to be careful about how much I travel with, uh, with my son's wedding, uh, in, on June 4th. So we're, we're just being a little careful with that. That'd be a nice little honeymoon. <laughs> no, I don't think they'd like that, Carrie. I'm just saying. That's, that's romantic. I think it's romantic. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, for me. The uh, I'll let folks know too. Of course, um, Jason, your uh, Spartan Race is, is a big uh, part of what you do, and and you as a spokesperson for them. And so, uh, if they want to get some more information on that, SpartanRace.com. And uh, we, we are trying to work a Spartan race here in Omaha, uh, uh, maybe in 2012. And Carrie, you're still planning to head down to Texas? Is that well, still? I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to do that um, just with some of the things going on right now um, health-wise. I don't know if that would be the smartest thing for me to do. But if, if it's possible, then, then I'm going to see if that would still work. I have about a week to figure, figure some things out on that front. So, um yeah, but I'll, I I still have I've May is very busy, so I'm kind of looking forward to um, being able to start training again as soon as as is realistic, and then um, have some some good stuff coming up. See you from there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Very good. And if you're interested at all in what Spartan uh, Races is about uh, or what they do, and they've got events all over the country, uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I-, I was actually very surprised, very reasonably priced. So if you're, a, if you're a triathlete and you're getting into an Ironman at all, those things are a couple hundred bucks, and you've got to ship a bike. And I mean, it can get expensive. Uh, those Spartan Races can be uh, fairly reasonably priced for, for the individual to go out. And so if you're looking for an adventure and you want to do more than just pound the pavement for 26 miles, uh, or whatever your distance is, uh, these Spartan races um, certainly provide uh, kind of alternative to the to the marathon. So uh, good stuff, SpartanRace.com. Well, guys, appreciate your time tonight. Um, I, I, we're going to hold this uh, real close to an hour, but I appreciate you guys coming out on a Sunday night. Jason, uh, heal away, and I'm excited to hear. I'll, I'll follow you on Facebook. Excited to hear how that run goes tomorrow. <laughs> I'll let you know, yeah. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Kerry, thanks for coming in. You need to heal, so make sure you get some rest as well. And uh, we'll plan to follow up. Jason, we'll, pro- we'll plan to follow up with you. I'll get your race schedule, and we'll figure out how to follow up with you uh, maybe before and then after your next long race. Sounds great, Jim. I All appreciate right. it. You bet. Thanks for coming on, and thanks for, again, thanks for doing this. I uh, appreciate you coming out and listening to the Fitness Tech Podcast, and uh, this will be another show. So good night, guys.